to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Good morning. This is Sarah Masoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hey guys, this is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce, and we are here in the studio today, although I'm not actually in the studio. This is my first call-in time. She's Does in it feel weird, home, Sarah? home studio. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel weird to not have me there, or is it the same? Totally miss you. Oh, I wish I was Your there. Your vibe just home. changes the whole experience. <laughs> I wish I was in there, in there heating up the place. Yeah, we miss you. <laughs> well, I tried to scope on your Instagram this week to figure out oh. what you were up to, and I couldn't really find anything. So you're going to have to tell me in real life what you did this week. Well, this week was kind of uneventful, I guess. I did post something about that I'm going to be a speaker up in the Dells at the Women's, International Women's Day on March 8th. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting for me. I haven't really done a lot of public speaking, but it's going to be at Powder Pure and it starts at about 2.15 p.m. and it's open to the public. Um, if you're oh. interested in it, check out hashtag each for equal and you'll see lots of pictures of women holding their hands up in the air like equal sign and thinking about, you know, how we can create equality in the world. So... I love that. And Powder yeah. Pure, that was one of our past guests, right? Yep, that's Chen. She actually invited me to be the speaker. That's so cool. Yeah. Are you feeling nervous about it, or do you feel good? Oh, I actually have quite a few things I'm doing before that, so I try not to think of them. I think about everything in sequential order. As it comes up, then I sort of do the work and move forward through it. Yeah, well, I you do a lot of public speaking. I've seen you do lots of things, and you do a great job. Yeah, thank you. So you, it'll be awesome. You had a busy week, though. Did you do the night market? I did. No, I didn't do the night market. That's actually going to be my food news in just a bit. But um, I, I did have a busy week of just kind of um, rounding up different things. I did a KTU segment that was kind of fun. Oh, on, Super Bowl um, food. Yeah, it's not funny. So I they asked me to do a segment on Super Bowl food, but I was hoping the whole time that they didn't ask me who I was rooting for because I actually never watched the Super and Bowl. And you probably don't even know who's <laughs> in the Super Bowl. I didn't know. So I had to just tell them, like, 49ers. I come do the show, but um, I can't really talk about the Super Bowl, and they were totally okay with that. So I made some um, healthy game day snacks. So I made a um, buffalo red lentil hummus, buffalo-style red lentil hummus, and then I made some um, salad roll lap wraps with a spicy peanut sauce. So I was making all things that people could source from the farmer's market. That's cool. 
So that was pretty fun. That is but, fun. And, and they didn't, it's a live show, so they didn't end up asking me about the um, football part. So that was good. Oh, that's good. Because, <laughs> you know, felt- if we knew who was going to be the winner, we would be superstars. Because that's, well, yeah, who do you so. think is going to win? If I use my who psychic knows? powers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it all went just fine. But it's just a lot of um, prep to do those kinds of things, you know. Yeah. And then I also started this week, I'm doing some um, plant-based cooking classes. Oh. Uh, so I've always done my canning classes here at the kitchen, but I'm doing some, um, like, vegan cooking classes. So I started those this week and it's gone really well and it's been really fun. So I get all these people traveling from all over the world coming to my classes. Oh, you know, one thing that I did kind of cool this week, I met with Elsie Denville. She was on the show uh, earlier this last year with Creole Me Up. She's Uh actually looking for a place to land her business, which is mostly Friday through Sunday. And she does meals and has people come in and learn how to cook Haitian food. And I oh, think yeah. we might have found a spot on North Mississippi. So I'm pretty excited about that. We're trying oh, to work cool. through that with her. Get That's her in awesome. her spot. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. She is a she was a great guest. And then now since yeah. I, that was the first time I met her was on the show. But since then, I've seen her lots of places, which yeah. is really cool. She's pretty active in the community. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I hope she finds the perfect space. She will. Um, I have some food news today. You mentioned it a little bit, but we're um, coming up on the Portland Night Market again. So that's going to be February 7th and 8th. Many of our future and past guests have booths at the market. So we want our listeners to come out and meet us and support uh, those local small businesses in real life. So it's going to be February 7th and 8th from 4 to 11. It's located at 100 Southeast Alder. So everybody should come to that event. It'll be really fun. And if you are a food entrepreneur and have a press release for us to announce, you can submit those at startupradionetwork.com and we can help spread the word about your events, new products, award, anything you want us to talk about. So we are not alone in the studio today. That's right. We have a very special guest. Um, Very special. Very special. I've been stalking her on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the first time you guys have met in real life? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm not even So, like, I'm enamored with her son, actually. He's like a genius (laughs) on the keyboard. Oh, yes, for sure. So we have in the studio today... Heather Arndt Anderson. Welcome, Heather. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. And Sarah, the feeling is mutual. Oh. I like always actually wanted to go into food science. That oh. was the other career I was like the path I was going to take if I didn't go into what? biology. It's yeah. not too late. I know. I keep thinking about it. So biology is where you landed. And she and Heather was talking about her fermentorium and she uh-huh. brought five of her fermentorium species here. Yeah. Actually, oh, technically, yeah. I think the elderberry cordial is not really a ferment, but I did make some elderberry vinegar too which mm. is very dank <laughs> when i told heather to um get ready for the show i said don't make anything but just bring some of your weird cool stuff that you make i was yeah. like you can bring anything we'll take shots of vinegar we'll yeah, try we'll, your booze we're gonna taste we'll do it any of it yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool so let me just um give a little background on heather so um she right currently is the garden editor editor of sunset magazine that's like big the sunset magazine which is a very big deal and she lives here in portland can you and imagine she, 
Yeah, she lives here in Portland. And you might be saying to yourself, why is she on the podcast about women-owned food startups? And the answer is because I love her and wanted her to be here. (laughs) Oh, yucks. So she might not exactly fit into our usual model, but in a way, she kind of does. She does. Yeah. So Heather has been a food writer in Portland for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. you um, can find things that she has written in all kinds of places and we'll get into some of that but um she really i think of you heather as kind of like your business instead of being the business of a product your business is kind of about writing and about written work so you kind of have to sell that just like we would sell a product do you think that's kind of accurate yeah that's definitely true and i don't want to like I loathe people who try to make themselves a brand when they don't actually produce, like, they don't produce anything of quality. They don't create any content. They don't actually, like, do anything. They just promote themselves. And that that really gets on my nerves. So, um, At the risk of seeming like I might be dipping a toe into that world. No. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I don't think that's what you do at all. (laughs) I don't know. I try to just like try to make stuff. I try to like earn my keep on the internet. (laughs) She totally does. You always have delicious looking meals. Like you'll whip up something awesome for lunch and all of us are eating leftovers. I'm going to give you a, to let you in on a secret. That's because I'm like really good at procrastinating. Mm. And so I try to like show something for my time, no matter what I'm doing. That's like, if you freelance for a long time and you get into that, like always be hustling mindset, like you're like, well, I'm not actually working on the thing I'm supposed to work on. I'll at least take a photo of this bowl of like doctored up ramen that I just made. And so I, you know, did a thing with air quotes, like that's sort of my approach. It's not because I have a fabulous life. It's because I feel ashamed if I'm not doing something every moment of the day. (laughs) I one time heard someone say that when you work for yourself and when you work at home, no matter what it is, if you're a writer, if you're freelancing, the best thing that you can do for yourself is to put pants and shoes on in the morning. Oh, don't (laughs) work in your bathrobe? Yeah, don't work in your bathrobe because you you only feel like as qualified and as involved as the way that you are dressed. That's true. (laughs) Although I do wear some very comfy clothes. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. That's very interesting. Um, So Sarah, or I mean, uh, sorry, Heather, tell us about um, how you landed at sunset. Gosh, it always seems completely out of left field. Um, I'm always actually deeply paranoid that everyone thinks that I came in out of nowhere and that I just like wandered in off the street. (laughs) I mean, that's like the typical imposter syndrome thing. Um, Yeah, because for 10 years I was just writing about food. I cranked out a couple of books and... um, and was doing these like um, fermentation classes through Airbnb experiences. That's sort of like why I have all this um, funky stuff in front of Sarah Masoni right now. Um, but I do have a degree in botany and I did, you know, lots of gardening jobs and horticulture type jobs, working in nurseries and stuff um, before I had a kid and had to like sort of end my field career as a plant ecologist and wetland scientist. And so, you know, I just kind of had this part of my brain that always liked gardening and knew about plants and knew how to write about plants. And so I just, um, yeah, it, um, my Facebook friend, Matt Gross, who had interviewed me about breakfast a million years ago for one of my books, he um, just like slid into my DMs one day on Facebook and said, like, how experienced would you say you are as a gardener? And I said, you know, pretty experienced. I've 
been doing it for like 25 years and <laughs> like I have a degree in botany. And, and then he amazing. said, do you want to be the garden editor of Sunset Magazine? And I just and thought like, he was joking. What? And he didn't like offer me the job. He just told me that they had a need. And so, yeah, I did sort of audition for the job and I got That's it. That's so cool. I um, actually cool. like friend bragged about you on the plane oh because my I had a copy of Sunset and it's the one where you, uh, the January, February issue, yeah. so it's one of the newer ones. And you did an article about ferment. I did. And I just like opened it up so that the person next to me could kind of see it. And I was like, my friend wrote this. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And the next and issue so has truffles, I think. Uh, yeah, there's actually a little mention about truffles in the current issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was able to write a little bit about the Oregon Truffle Festival, and um, I wrote about fermentation. So my um, my kimchi recipe is in the current issue, mm-hmm. and uh, in addition to my hot sauce, which mm. is not nearly as good as Sarah's, but mine's fermented, <laughs> and so it's different. Mm. And... Um, and then also like some of my like sneaky tricks for like how to get the most out of your leftover pickle brine, like what you can do with it. Drink it. And then I have like a 12 page house plant spread too. Yeah, that was impressive. I told my daughter yesterday, why don't you read what Heather wrote about house plants? Because on the way home, she's like, mom, I have all these empty pots. My plants died oh. at work. I transplanted them, but they just didn't grow. I was like, you need to read what Heather wrote. I'm going to give her a tip, though. Like Trader Joe's and Ikea have, if you're like a habitual or cereal plant killer, like just find a good cheap source and treat them like bouquets. It's fine. Like you don't cry over a dead bouquet of flowers that you buy yourself once a month or whatever. Just if it gives you happiness for a few weeks, I mean, you'll, it'll take a long time unless you put it like directly in front of a stove or something. (laughs) You can keep a plant alive for a few months and then just chuck it in the compost if when it dies, you know, Yeah, I mean, you do that with the stem of your lettuce and stuff. You just chop it off and boom, it goes into the compost. So I know that sounds kind of cold hearted, but, um, well, it's it's kind of like you need to practice before you're good at something, you know? People right. think they have to be yeah. experts right away, and it just doesn't work that way. No, don't yeah. like start off with a hundred and fifty dollar fiddly fig. Like start yeah. with the the cheapy, like the iron plant, cast iron plant, or like a snake plant. Those guys are pretty bulletproof, mm. and you can get them for cheap. Yeah, I hope she listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, Amy, listen to Heather. She knows. Yeah, what she's city about. of Portland. <laughs> um, all the bureaus are moving back into the Portland br- building today. Oh. The Portland building's almost finished. They're just putting the tiles up in there. All going to be out there in the cool. building. So, Have you seen the building redone, Sarah? I haven't gotten to go in there, but I'm going to ask for a tour. You can bet. Cool. One thing that um, I think is really interesting about Heather is that she is a, a food historian, which you don't hear that term used very much. Hmm. So all of her her books are food history books. Oh, and that's pretty that's interesting true. because she also knows a lot about Portland history, food history, but also building history. So whenever I grew up in Portland, as Heather did, and so she's the one person I go to if I'm like, hey, what was that place where we used to get really good burritos, but it doesn't exist anymore? And they made like this cool sauce. And she'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But she's like yeah. the machismo you know mouse or are you talking about, about okay mouse. oh yeah they had that sweet <laughs> boss sauce they had the boss sauce actually yeah. i had people from 
from two different groups of people claiming they own the boss sauce recipe, trying to like restart that business. I just want listeners to know that Sarah Marshall and I did not rehearse that conversation. Like I just knew she would like just now. This is the first time she's ever. <laughs> uh, if you know, you know, though. I mean, like Portland people. Yeah. Yeah. So good, if, if anybody's ever trying to figure out what existed, um, Heather probably knows. You can just ask her about it. She'll remember. But will you tell us about your books that you have out there in the world? Heather? Yeah. Um, well, I the first book I wrote was about breakfast. It's called Breakfast to History. And um, that one was fine. It was like, you know, my first book. And it was because a series of books called The Meals was already out. And so I sort of like wanted to become a writer. And so I, I, I submitted a proposal and sample chapter. It was like very like uninteresting story about how I got into that book. Um, and it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I think breakfast is interesting. But my um, the book that I'm most proud of is Portland, A Food Biography. And it's the only mm. culinary history, like complete culinary history of the city of Portland, Oregon. Um, and that one, you can get that at like Powell's. Well, I've what? certainly been eating in Portland for a really long time. Uh, I moved here, I think, in 1987. So... There's been a lot of stuff going on, coming and going and changing. Ooh. And man, I am so glad I brought this elderberry cordial. And it's not even like an advertisement for anything. Um, <laughs> Did it help? It, yeah, it totally. And that's what it's like famous for. Um, and there's like a tiny bit of booze in it. So I'm going to like be in a better mood. <laughs> um, so my other two books are from a reaction books edible series, and they are. Um, Chili's a global history and mm. berries a global history. Oh, chilies. That's crazy. I never knew there were so many different types of chilies. Mm. Um, and you can get a lot of them in the Hispanic markets around town if you're yeah. interested. Yeah. Um, I think the Lentz Farmer's Market mm. has um, a couple different people who sell chili. There's one. You can um, get them fresh roasted too, right? Yeah. Los Roast um, is a small like two dude shop. I think they... Um, Import the hatch chilies mm -hmm. from New Mexico and then yeah. roast them live in front of you. Yeah. So you can get this like nice hot sack of <laughs> roasted chilies and, and just eat them up like candy, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And what I do. So when I get them home, I take the peels and skins off and I stuff them in a jar of vinegar. Mm. I just stuff them because they're nice and smoky and toasty. And mm. then I just top it off with apple cider vinegar. And then you can use that to make, you know, like... Gosh, what's the stuff, that Portuguese dish with, like, vinegar? You put it in the fridge? You can make adobo with it. Yeah, you, yeah, you can keep it in the fridge. You don't have to, though, because mm. the vinegar keeps it sterile. Straight vinegar. Yeah, it's great for all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, oh, you can make pepper jelly with the vinegar. Mm. Just, like, add sugar and pectin and mm. gel it, you know, so oh. I've done that before. Tasty. Yeah. You can um, kind of hear why Heather speaks my love languages so likes we, peppers. <laughs> we immediately were friends so I think I I first met you Heather because you were writing an article about I think the history of canning Is that's that right? right yeah for edible Portland Dude, rip I should have gave you the canning book Sarah did I give you both the canning books or just one of them you gave me one. Oh, okay. So I but have maybe a you're holding out on me and have another one. I do, but maybe Heather needs it. <laughs> maybe which she canning does. book is that? It's some old canning book that some old professor had on his shelf at OSU yes. from like the beginning of time. You're speaking my love language. Okay, <laughs> I'll make sure you get it. Old books. I've had people like <laughs> from Twitter who I've never met. Like my grandma died, and I've got these like boxes and boxes of old like cutout recipes from newspapers. 
favors. I'm like, send them to me. And uh, so one time I got this box from, I think she's a librarian up in Washington State. Still have never met her in real life. And uh, I get this box in the mail, which did not, it was not cheap to ship this box of yeah. stuff. Um, but uh, the thing that was really remarkable, and Sarah Marshall, you'll, you'll appreciate this, is this old lady had clipped all these recipes and glued them into the pages of these like children's um, school books from her own childhood. So I had all these like what? little tiny, beautiful antique textbooks from like the 40s what? with hand clipped recipes glued inside the pages because, you know, they were just repurposing. Yeah. Um, so that was really special. A bunch of handwritten recipes. Um and I do like still want to scan them and like send her a PDF of all of them, but I haven't gotten around to it. Did yeah, you, just, did you use any of the recipes? No, I. Um, you know, as Sarah knows, a lot of canning advice from fifty plus years ago is not considered. Yeah, like not National Center for Home Food Preservation's <laughs> like yeah standards. Um, so yeah, that's like one of the first things I tell people in my classes is like, don't follow your grandma's old recipe. Yeah, like canning <laughs> stuff in the oven upside down is not you know going to keep you from getting botulism. So I don't follow any of those types of recipes. Also, I think that there was a propensity for overcooking. You know, back in the thirties and forties, canned food food was like really on it was like really trendy and Mm. so it was really exciting for um, home cooks and that was like everyone wanted to have canned goods as a way like show off how modern they were and Mm. nowadays of course we prefer fresh foods to Mm -hmm. show off how you know like connected we are to our farmers or whatever um because it tastes better and it's more nutritious. So I haven't found many of the old recipes to be that great. I do like rationing like wartime recipes, like when they use mayonnaise instead of eggs and oil because the boys back at war need the fats to keep their brains active or whatever. Velveeta cheese with uh, kidney beans and stuff like that. I will never be too good for Velveeta. I love <laughs> processed cheese so much, but yeah, I don't. That was yeah. one thing I was going to ask you. So you, um, Sarah mentioned your son earlier who, um, uh, well, first of all, we should say, how can people follow you on social media? Because I think people will love your story. So how can they find you? Oh, um, I'm pretty active on Facebook because I'm aged. Um, so you can just find me <laughs> at like my name, Heather Arndt Anderson um, on, and it's, my name is also my Instagram handle. Yeah. Um, I don't post on Twitter that often. I usually, um, I don't know, like once a month or something, uh, yeah. post a thing. I've been on Twitter forever, though. I did live tweet my birth of my son 10 years what? ago. What? Yeah. I, um, you were ahead of the game. Man. I was ahead of the game. Um, and my handle on Twitter is at Voodoo Lily. Oh, that's so amazing. So now that, that people that. can find you, once they find you, they will see amazing photos of food. They will see all these cool ferments and things that you will do. And they will also see your wonderful son, um playing the piano and i have had the luxury of being there for a solo concert i remember and that it's one of the most amazing experiences of my life because he will write his own pieces that are often influenced by maybe video games maybe some kind of sci-fi show something like that mm-hmm. that's but it's amazing pretty, it's pretty fun and awesome to be there in real life He's such a funny kid. He really is amazing. Hey, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hum some of the songs that he plays. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. 
Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. Okay, so we're back. And Heather's going to just quickly pull up a little bit of music for us to listen to uh, that her son has composed. Yeah, let's see. I'm going to find... just a little bit of my son just had a piano recital like two weeks ago and so this is all very fresh um i'm gonna see if you guys can hear this okay do you guys recognize that tune is it from i don't think it's mario kart it is it's super mario brothers yeah. very okay. close <laughs> And I, was say, I think it's Nintendo. <laughs> he arranged that himself. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So for people who, and I'm not a very musically inclined person. I like to sing karaoke or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I've got a little bit of rhythm. But um, yeah, this kid just kind of emerged fully formed as a musician. It's really crazy. So yeah, he's just like played video games for a few years and he just sits down and like play i mean he's been taking lessons also obviously but yeah. He, yeah so he just sat down and like played it and came up with his own beautiful arrangement of one of the classic koji kondo you know com- um, compositions that's amazing does he also write it out or just comes out of his head it comes out of his head he's been kind of reluctant to um learning to read music and he hasn't okay. been writing any of it down yet i don't think he it's needs 10, to so if it's... you record it you can have it transposed so, yeah. we do want him to you know so like um, my kid has ADHD and he's kind of like all over the place, mm-hmm. <laughs> but music is the one th- and video games are the, the things that he really is able to stick with yeah. and focus on he and loves. that bring him joy. Yeah. So we would love to be able to support that, but there really aren't a lot of music schools here in Portland. So no, um, yeah, don't really, if you guys know of any special music programs out there in the Portland area, just like send me a message on Instagram and let me know. Actually, one of my friends from college, her name's Dogney. She probably would love to work with him. That's great. He has a great teacher, Mac Kostelik, who does music programs <clears throat> and um, musical production all over town. Oh, yeah. there you go. He's got this like great, young, energetic dude teacher. Yeah, who That's comes to our house? Which is, hmm. I was going to ask if you're because you were talking about Velveeta cheese. So oh, yeah. you make a lot of food for your family and mm-hmm. for your son. Is there anything that he? eats or wants to eat that you're kind of like I wish this wasn't what you were into uh not really I mean he I just you know he eats all the kind of stuff that I put in front of him so like he loves my kimchi oh my gosh last night's um proud mama moment was I was making uh the like Vietnamese beef stew I was Mm -hmm. using wild boar meat and this goat neck that my friends at Nikki USA gave me they always give you stuff well that so that we have a kind of a like you know talk about always be hustling like they yeah Jeff Latham Mark um Cockcroft is their marketing Mm -hmm. guy so like Mark and I go out for lunch like once a month and just talk about what kind of weird stuff could I make Mm -hmm. and uh, so they give me a box of meat that's like how they pay me and I write a recipe or a blog post for their website (laughs) and um but yeah so Zephyr was standing over the cutting board I'm like peeling off the what I consider to be kind of the gross connective-y I mean it's just my my palate or my texture squeamishness yeah i know like 
people all over East and Southeast Asia love that kind of like gooey tendony. Yeah. So my son's, I'm like trimming it off because I'm like about to shred this goat neck into the stew. And my son's just like, mmm, skin, <laughs> like peeling it off and just eating it. And <laughs> I was very proud of him. It. Yeah. I was proud of him. That's, That's nice. so great. But I mean, well, I love so SpaghettiOs too. Like I'll eat SpaghettiOs and, and fake cheese. And I made uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup for dinner last night. That's the best. I know. So good. <laughs> Two great tastes that taste great together. Yeah. Should we So try? Heather, one time you told me that you sneak jokes into each one of your books. Mm. And so now every time I read anything that you write, Mm-hmm. I think that there's like some secret message in it, which maybe I'm <laughs> overlooking it. Yeah. So does Sunset Magazine ever try to like squander your um, ideas of, you know, like if you're like, I'm going to write this magazine and I'm going to write about plants and Metallica. Are they ever like, nah, I've pitched a couple of kind of crazy ideas. And I mean, I got to say, like, I've never been more supported as a writer or as a like thinker of kooky ideas than I am at sunset. They, um, I think they've just been so good. I mean, also we're like, we're a young crew. The, you know, the editor in chief and the executive editor, um, are like close to my age. And I feel like I'm one of the old people there because we have just this like really smart, energetic crew of, you know, of people. And we're bare bones right now because we're still kind of rebuilding after the last few years of financial craziness. It's hard, it's hard to have a magazine right now. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, So I did have like early on when I was still sort of uh, just a monthly contractor, digital editor kind of person doing garden stuff. I pitched a couple of ideas that they weren't too crazy. Like I wanted to write an article about um, gardening and video games because like farming simulations and gardening is like such a common theme and a lot of and they passed on that. But then like the following week a different like it wasn't nylon but it was like some kind of like big well-known magazine Did online the same article yes and uh, so Don't i just wanted that? to be like <clears throat> <Told you so. laughs> and uh you know so but sometimes i do have a pretty like you know a little bit salty sense of humor and they've just they kind of like it i mean we have to be respectful. I don't, you know, say anything that's offensive if I can help it, but um, <laughs> not on sunset anyways. <laughs> um, so I'm going to eat some kimchi and I'm sorry yeah. you can't smell it because it smells really This is good. the kimchi that appeared in the magazine. So mm. I, um, because I had to send some down to Oakland for them to photograph. Mm, good crunch. Yeah. It's pretty fresh. It's only like a month old. Oh, so good. Thanks. Yeah. My son loves it. Mm. Yeah, so Heather makes makes all kinds of fermented foods and and other things. So we um, we met originally over that article, but we've continued to be buddies. So Heather is part of Portland Preservation Society, so she oh. comes with all of her fermented things to trade with all of us, which is really cool. So and appropriate. also, Heather, are you still teaching classes, fermenting classes? No, I'm way too busy. Stop? Yeah, I stopped yeah. as soon as I... I was already getting burnt out on it. I mean, I liked... excuse me, the experience of teaching in my home. But if you do it through Airbnb experiences, you can't just not hold the class just because only one person signed up. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes I'm doing like four hours worth of work for like 50 bucks because only one person signed up for the class. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 
becoming not worth it. And then I got this the real job. And so it was like, oop, too busy. Sauerkraut's delicious, too. I think so. Thank mm. you. I put juniper berries and caraway in it. I made some really good um, choucroute garni with my sauerkraut the other day. Just Super crunchy. Yeah. I like to keep things... Not too salty. Yeah. So usually with my like vegetable ferments... I um I pull them a little early, so like the kraut and the kimchi, I only let those go for like well the the kraut goes for like four days, but the kimchi I only do for like a day or two, and then I put it in the fridge. That's my miso you're opening. Ooh, is it soy or garbanzo? It's soy. Or? It's soy. Soy, okay. um, miso. It's a little sweet. Um, I'm really proud. It was the first miso I ever made. Do you make it in a crock or in glass? Um, or? I do have a ceramic crock mm-hmm. that I use. I would like to get one of those wooden crocks. Mm. Um, Mm. It's pretty good, isn't it? It is good. Mm. What's your favorite thing to ferment, Heather? Mm. Um, I think that the thing that I enjoy fermenting the most is probably the kimchi because it's so fast and one recipe makes so much of it. Um, you know, like one head of bechu, like Napa cabbage, I can get usually like eight pints of kimchi out of it. And so that's kind of like a lot of bang for your buck. That is um, cool. yeah. What I'm most proud of, though, is the miso, just because it takes a lot of finesse and a lot of attention. Um, I'm pretty happy with the guanciale I fermented. That was pretty cool. Like doing some cured meat stuff is fun. Um and then also like the vinegars, I started making my own vinegar from the trees. I have three apple trees in my front yard. They're oh. just like street trees, but they're kind of wormy apples they are not that great to eat. And so I just cut the good parts off, turn them to sauce. And then all the cores and skins, I f- ferment into apple cider vinegar. Mm. And um, yeah, and then I can use that as a base for making berry vinegars or that's quince vinegar um, has that I fermented. Yeah, that I fermented from some quinces a friend gave me. Yeah, I don't know. It's... I, I like having oh, it projects. Like honey. Isn't it nice? Yeah. I'm really proud of that vinegar. It's I'm gonna get a little taste. But here. you know, I do s- such small batches of everything that it's just mostly like little mm. special treats. That's yummy. It's very like it. aromatic. Do you want to try some of my elderberry cordial? Sure. It'll make your throat feel nice and smooth. <laughs> now, did you? <laughs> this is why. Did I you love pick the elderberries? Yeah, I have elderberry bushes in my yard. Oh, you're so lucky. I used to have some uh, near our house in St. Helens, Mm -hmm. and I would make elderberry jelly. Oh, yeah. I make jelly from the flowers. So Mm. I make elderflower jelly. It's very, like, Scandinavian flavor. Yeah. I just take the berries. And it's beautiful. And every time I come over to Heather's, she'll just start opening up things and be like, hey, you want to try this thing I made? And I'm like, of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) Having all of these wonderful things in your kitchen makes it so that you can make really complex and delicious food. Yeah. And it's all just basically garbage that you know i mean like it's just it's just scraps and stuff Mm -hmm. that you have around the yard or like just kicking around the kitchen the miso of course you know takes a little it's just soybeans so it's whatever like a 50 cents a pound for dry soybeans and so you were mentioning you have this special cabbage in your garden oh yeah tell us about that i wrote a little like love poem to this cabbage so i started trying to grow some more like winter crops Mm -hmm. this um past year i thought like well you know i can i'm not doing anything with the garden space so i planted a cabbage and now it's going on i think this is like the second year it's been in my garden it's getting pretty big but um, and so part of me is like, well, it's just so big and beautiful. Like I don't have the heart to harvest it. It's so pretty. It's really pretty. It's just this like ruffly. It almost. It's not quite as ruffly as a savoy cabbage. I don't remember the name of the variety, but it's just you know a purple. Ca- I am gonna get 
um, get it out of there pretty soon because I got these new um, garden beds put in that um, my contractor buddy built for me, and I'm going to fill them with soil. They're like nice and deep. They're over a foot deep, mm-hmm. so I'll be able to get some really good stuff in there. Um, then I'll have to pull that cabbage out. So yeah, I how can a it. cabbage be growing for so long? Is it? They take a while to reach maturity. I think I yeah. don't know. I mean, I've just I haven't really. It, you have to kind of let it go through a cold period to sweeten it. Mm. Um, if you, and you plant, I planted it at the end of a summer, over a year ago. So yeah, it was like the summer of um, 2018. I planted it like maybe in September or wow. so, and it just kind of puts along this little sprout, and it it starts forming a head in the second year. I don't know if it's technically a biennial or if it's just that I am slow at growing cabbage, but now That's it's like this perfect round head and beautiful and purple leaves. Yeah, it's really pretty. And I like to eat the outer leaves too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wash them and um, you can like finally shred them, make salad or slaw. Yeah, like a Brussels salad. Yeah, totally. Mm. Um, Heather, I wanted to talk a little bit about you as a writer. So before you worked for Sunset, you had written these books, but you mm-hmm. had also done a lot of writing for magazines you've done a lot of recipe testing um how do you get into doing that kind of thing um the the magazine articles i just kind of started pitching after i had a book come out i figured i needed to you know do something to promote it um and you know this is again not to disparage my publisher but they're a publisher of textbooks mostly they're an academic publisher and Mm. so they don't really they're not like sending authors on the book tour circuit and whatever and so i had to do a lot of I mean, they sent copies for review to like libraries and reviewing magazines, like Publishers Weekly and stuff. But Mm. they weren't really. um, It's not a super poppy book. It's um, so. Anyways, after that book came out, and I was like, well, I really got to get the, you know, do something to promote. I started just pitching articles um, related to tangentially to the book or excerpting bits that maybe didn't make it into the book Mm. and uh, again like that always be hustling brain and like the waste not want not part of my brain any like kernel of a cool story that I couldn't actually like flesh out into the book I will just like spin it into an article and try to like make money off it some other way that's smart Um, so I just started doing that um, pitching articles to make use of the work that I'd kind of already done and yeah and it's just sort of picking up a little bit of steam and um, I joined uh, I can't even remember how I got mixed up with the joy of cooking. Um, I was doing some recipe testing or recipe writing, just, you know, pitching to different small brands that I would love to do content for them. Um, most of the time, and like the only advice I can give is if you're paying attention to the brands that you like, um, reach out to them and say like, hey, I really like your stuff. I would love to work with you. And it's amazing what you can get if you ask nicely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you might have to start with small beans at first. Like I still get paid in meat from Nikki USA, but I literally like cornered their marketing guy, Mark, at a party once. I was like, I love your guys' stuff. I want to work with you. Mm. And that was, you know the foot in the door that I needed. Well, and a lot of, a lot of our listeners are, uh, you know, food entrepreneurs and people with food businesses. So I think it's nice for them to hear that they can do that with um, maybe writers that they like is to, they can go to them and say, Hey, do you think that you could do something cool with my product? And that sometimes people will do it for a small fee or for trade if they're really into what you're doing. So you can kind of work together and then it gets you out there as a writer. Like you can write about, because I think you've written about me a couple of times, but mm-hmm. you can write about me, but you're also writing about your own stuff. So I think one of the articles you did was about um, 
chilies and you put your book in there, my sauce in there. So it was like promoting us both. Yeah, which that really was really cool. This for an article for the Portland Mercury. And, you know, Lola Milholland, owner of Umi Organic, yes. she, you know, it was the same as what you just said, Sarah. She approached me on Instagram and said, like, hey, I really like how you cook and like your style of whatever presenting food on Instagram. Like, would you be interested in working with my product? And so she's another person. She just like gives me noodles and I. That's why you always eat ramen. Yeah. And it's why I mostly eat really good ramen. I helped her just a (laughs) little bit in the kitchen uh, with how to prepare the noodles for the schools. Oh, yeah. I'm so. You should. Um, I'm so um, just thrilled and proud to know her that in that especially like for me as a lifelong Portland resident, seeing her products in Portland public schools um, monthly on the menu, the Yakisoba cool. Wednesday, I just like get a little tear in my eye of like, you know, I get verklempt about it. I always make sure my son eats school lunch on Yakisoba Day. <laughs> yeah, same. <That's> nice. <laughs> it's such a cool thing. I feel like super proud of her every time I see it on the on the calendar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And her kits are in the stores now, too. Yeah, her miso kits are also very delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good product. Well, we're coming up to the end of the show, Heather. Yeah. It goes okay. by very fast. It but does. I did want to mention um, a writing award that you won last year. Oh. Oh, what did you tell? <laughs> did she get I think, a James okay, Beard maybe award? Maybe you've won more than one, but I just <laughs> wanted you to brag about it. So tell us about your writing award. <laughs> I won an award from the American Society for Journalists and Authors. That's cool. I won the Outstanding Food Writing Award for a story I wrote for Oregon Humanities Magazine wow. about the history of Volga Germans in Portland, Oregon. I'm a Volga German, of Volga German descent on the Arch side of my family. Wow. And um, just a quick sum up, the Volga Germans, or Germans from Russia, as they are also known, were a group of ethnic Germans who lived in Russia for about 150 years. They followed Catherine the Great's... If you guys are watching Catherine the Great on Amazon right now, that's the whole story of my people. So like in the 1760s, wow. Um, she invited her German country folk to come settle the Russian steppe and teach the Russian people their um, sort of farming technology. And Mm. um, the Germans didn't exactly like integrate with the Russians very much, but a lot of the technology um, for wheat farming and um, even some of the crops, like the potato was introduced to Russia from Mm. German. That's why the the Russian word for potato, kartoffel, is German kartoffel. Um, and so anyways, they were these little kind of insular group of Germans, thousands, tens of thousands. And then they moved to the U.S. and Argentina after the Russian Revolution made things a little complicated. Mm. Um, yeah, about 100 years ago. So, yeah, a lot of them are here in Portland. Most of them are in the mid, like the breadbasket of the U.S. And so if you go to like Nebraska and South Dakota and Kansas, there are tons of Volga Germans. They even have like their own fast food chains that make wow. traditional yeah, like there's one called Runza. A Runza is kind of like a bread bun that's stuffed with ground meat and onions and cabbage. <laughs> and they have a whole fast food chain for that dish. What? Yeah. So anyways, I wrote a story or an article about just the history of um, those people and um, their role in shaping Portland's sort of like culinary identity 100 years ago. Wow. And it won an award. That's I always feel great. like it's so treacly when I <clears throat> write any kind of personal history or personal essay. And it's um, so I always feel a little bit shy, even though like I want to tell the story and I like to write about I mean, everyone likes to write about themselves, but I always feel like ugh, everyone's going to think this is so like 
heavy handed and sappy, but it no. won an award and I was really happy about that. It comes from your heart and people can tell. <laughs> yeah, I think people can tell that you're into it. And then because you have this whole like history side, you you build this really full story because it has your passion, it has the history, it has yeah. like what's current. So it's a really nice way of writing that I think not everyone does. And so I think that it's so great that you get you've been awarded for it. It like proves how awesome you are as a writer. Thanks, Sarah. I'm gonna it's <laughs> really sweet of you to say. Yeah. Well I'm into it. I'm into you girl. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. It's mutual. Uh, I wanted you to mention your food blog, too, just so people can follow along, because a lot of times you have recipes and stuff on there. I wouldn't say a so, lot of time I have recipes. I haven't updated it in, like, six months or something. But, yeah, my my blog or my website is voodooandsauce.com. And it if you want to, like, the deep cut stuff, like, I started that blog in 2006. And so, yeah, oh, yeah. you can read some of my early stuff when I was 100% certain I had no readers at all. And it's just like how loose and kind of like, it was the wild west <laughs> of the internet back then, too. Mm. So it was uh, definitely a different writing style. Um, but yeah, I do have some recipes there. I actually mostly use it now just as a repository for my own recipes. So if I want to remember like how to make that one tea cake that I made that one time I can just usually go find my recipe that's nice yeah it becomes like a library of all the stuff that you created though so if somebody sees something that you posted on Instagram like a long time ago probably there's a link to the recipe on your site there sometimes is yeah for sure yeah and there's also links to all of my published articles except for the sunset stuff because that's you have you know like two or three a week it's a lot it is a yeah, lot. that's so much. Is that and is that all you're doing now for your like full time job, or are you still doing other stuff? Yeah, I mean, I still do some recipes for like the Oregon Blackberry and Raspberry Commission. You know, like for Darcy. <laughs> yeah, Darcy and Julie, and it's so yeah. another funny story. Just like Julie, we love them. Julie and I met when her, she was still pregnant with her her daughter. Like we've met through a mutual friend a million years ago. It's just this funny coincidence that we get to work together now. Our kids were like in this daycare center together. Mm. Um, yeah. And then Umi Organic, I still do some recipes for her. I actually owe her a recipe. I mostly just post photos of what I make with her, her products. And then Yannick USA. So those are the ones that they're very low key. It's I would be cooking food anyways, because, you know, writers got to eat. And so um, I just happen to like tag them when I post about it. But other than that, yeah, I'm just kind of like fully focused on um, on sunset. That's nice. Cool. Do you have any um, final advice or thoughts for our listeners out there, our food entrepreneurs? Yeah. um, Gosh, what advice? I think that just... um, don't be afraid to uh, diversify your your interests and your talents because I think that like being a Jill of all trades can mean that you grow into a Renaissance woman and like you don't have to focus on just one thing. Yeah, it's nice. It I makes think, you smarter yeah. too. I think that's really good advice, and I think that describes you very well because you do all these cool, awesome things that maybe not everyone knows how to do but you keep these like traditions and history alive so thanks for doing that for all of us out here in the world that's right thanks for having me on the show you guys yeah thanks for coming on sorry for all the coughing appreciate it 
<laughs> we record Masoni and Marshall inside of Ned Space. Tune in live every week, Fridays at 9. And you can find us on our favorite podcast platforms like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon. Hi, Alon. Hello. <laughs> and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you would like to be a guest on the show, you can submit pr- press releases to startupradionetwork.com. And until next week, thank you for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.